Morning. Glad to see you. Good to be back among friends. Good to see y'all again. Thank you for having us in. We are turning to Mark chapter 8. And uh, while you're turning, do you, uh, I don't know about you, but I have choices that I think about, choices that I made that I still think about. And I find that they're not really the big ones. You know, who do I marry or who did I, you know, choose to work for or where did I go to school? I'm okay with those decisions. It's smaller things, cider things that I think about. Do you have a favorite uh, actor or actress that you like to watch? Since I was a little boy, there was one I particularly enjoyed named James Garner. Some of you know who that is. I liked him for whatever reason. I liked a particular kind of character that he played a lot. And uh, off and on through the years, as I got older, I thought, you know, I would write him a letter and just tell him how much I've enjoyed his work. I should just send him a note. I'm a writer by profession. I should be able to pull off something that didn't sound like, oh, I just think you're so... I should be able to do something that was, you know, manly and all, but just to say, thank you. I really appreciated what you've done. Never really got around to it. Kept meaning to, kept thinking about it. A friend actually one day stumbled on the address for where you write to James Garner and passed it on to me and said, if you ever write a letter, here it is. I had the address, I had everything. Never quite wrote him. And one morning, a couple years ago, about this time, I woke up and learned that he had died. And reading about him and the last few months of his life, they said it was interesting. His health was failing. He wasn't doing real well. He wasn't up to much. And so a lot of days, he would just go out to the backyard and sit under the trees and read the letters that people wrote to him. I could have written one of those, but I didn't. And now and then, like the other night, I saw a movie he was in that I enjoyed again. But I just like him. And I'm like, why didn't I write him? Wouldn't have taken that long. Why didn't I? I have a nagging feeling at something like this. What if he didn't write back? What if he sent back a form letter? What if he wrote something or responded in some way that wasn't what I kind of thought James Garner would sound like? Didn't sound like Jim Rockford or Brett <laughs> Maverick. It sounded like, who is this? I really liked who I thought he was. And I would rather him be who I thought he was and to take the risk of finding out differently. I enjoyed the illusion. So I wasn't willing to take the risk. And I wonder if I'm the same way, wonder if you're the same way, with Jesus. I have ideas of who Jesus is. I like my ideas of who Jesus is, and sometimes I think I'd rather he kind of stayed over there so I don't find out that he's any different than I imagine him to be. What if the relationship got more involved than I wanted to get? 
What if the expectations were higher or deeper than I wanted them to be? I kind of like him where he is. I kind of like my idea of who he is. Toward that end, Mark chapter 8, beginning with verse 22. Then it came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And the man looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then Jesus put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And the man was restored and saw everything clearly. Then he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Then Jesus strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Jesus spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes, that we could see things for what they are, and not what we would imagine them to be. We pray that you would pierce our hearts and minds and spirits this morning, in whatever way they need piercing, and that we would see you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Caesarea Philippi is about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. It was the northern swing for Jesus. It's about as far north as he went. And uh, it's right there on the border of Syria and still is, after a fashion. It's an interesting place because the name of the town kept changing. Everybody who became governor or king or Caesar had his own ideas for what to name that particular town for some reason. So it kept getting new names every couple of years, and everybody had a different one for it by that time. And because everybody, you know, who was anybody, uh, had the authority to change the name, they also had 
the authority to build whatever they wanted to build. And everybody seemed to put up a new temple to a new idol. Whoever was in command had some new construction done. And so the place, even today, is a place crowded with crumpled, broken pieces of idols and temples to other deities. Because, as you know, idols don't tend to go away. So, it's in that place that Jesus chose to have this conversation. Kind of interesting. A place with so many names that kept changing, so many different senses of identity. And in the middle of all that, Jesus brings up the question. It's interesting who he brought it up to. This wasn't with all the crowds, because Jesus has been with the crowds. If you look back at the last few verses and chapters, Jesus has been busy. He's been feeding 5,000 and 4,000. He's been healing a lot of people. He's been doing a lot of serious, thoughtful teaching. He's been engaged in quite a lot of debate with the Pharisees and Sadducees and spiritual leaders of the time. He's been a busy fellow. He's been in the crowds, but now he's just out on the road with a handful of disciples who've made their commitment to him, and now they're going pretty much in the same direction he is. And it's them that he asked the question. It's interesting what he doesn't ask. You notice what he doesn't ask? People ever talk about me? Do I ever come up? Tell the truth. Does anybody ever say something? Jesus comes up. You notice? Nobody ever says, Jesus, Jesus. I've heard the name. Wait a minute. Who? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus comes up. People have opinions. People think things. They may dismiss him pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, I lived a long time ago, right? Nice guy. They may dismiss him, but everybody knows who he is. And everybody has an opinion. Who do people say I am? Very interesting what they didn't say. The disciples don't have to fish for this. I don't know. I met a guy a while back. Some old boy said he thought you were kind of a, you know, you were kind of a... No. They've been in and out and around all these people for days and days and days. They know exactly what people are saying about Jesus. And it's interesting what they don't say. They don't say, people think you feed so well. They just love the bread and fishes stuff. You are so sweet. And the fact that you take care of our hunger needs, that just touches people in a big way. You love their physical needs and care for them. Nobody said, oh, they love the way you heal folks. You are so tender. And what you do, those bones, those legs, those eyes, that, what, oh, it means so much. People are so happy about this. And, and they just would follow you anywhere. Folks love you. That's not what they say. Man, you teach good. You are the deep end of the pool, man. You should write a book. People love this. This is really good. What you said about the seed and that, oh, woo, that good Samaritan one. They're still talking about that one. Nobody said anything about the teaching or the healing or the feeding. They say you remind them of John the Baptist, Elijah, the prophets. Read anything about Elijah, John the Baptist, and the prophets? They were the men who got in the face of the leaders of their time. They challenged the cultural norms. They called out people by name, and they didn't stutter. 
and they didn't mumble. They spoke out boldly and courageously because they insisted that God be taken seriously. They demanded that the people of their time and their culture take God seriously. And that's who the people who are around Jesus every day, who actually saw him up close and heard him up close, that's who they said Jesus reminded them of. Who do you say, who do people say that I am? Who do you hear people say Jesus is? You're here. You run with the crowd. You sit in on the Bible studies and you worship in the worship services. You're in the workaday world. You watch TV and the movies. Who do people say Jesus is? Sometimes you have to read between the lines a little bit. Jesus is the teddy bear who gets me through the night. Jesus is Santa Claus, and I just ask him, and he comes through just when I need it. Jesus thinks I'm cute. He loves me. And yes, I do terrible stuff, probably, I guess, kind of. But Jesus just looks at me and says, Chris, you scamp. You're, what am I going to do with you? Oh, my goodness. I just, oh, I tell you, well... Go out and play, have fun. We'll get it all fixed when we get to heaven. We'll straighten it out. <laughs> Be nice to old ladies. <laughs> Be sweet when you can. Don't cause trouble. Don't rock the boat. But never forget, I love you just the way you are. I just want you to be happy. I just want you to be at peace with your choices. That's all I ask. I'm just so grateful you'd even mention my name before you eat food. Thank you. See you in heaven. <laughs> Who do people say Jesus is? More to the point. The inevitable point. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? That's the question. Nobody gets out of this. Nobody gets out of this without answering the question. Nobody gets to heaven. Oh, Jesus, okay, yeah, now it's coming. I got it, yeah, Jesus, okay, then Son of God. This isn't a question for heaven. In heaven, they know the answer to this. It's settled by the time you get to heaven. It's a question for here. It's a question for now. And it's a question for you. Who do you say I am? Well, our preacher used to teach us that we... Who do you say that I am? Well, I saw a movie one time. It was neat. And they did this, and he went down. Who do you say I am? I got three responsibilities in this life. 
I'm responsible for what I know. I'm responsible for who I know. I'm responsible for what I do with who I know. I'm responsible for what I communicate to other people about what I know. Who do you say I am? Because here's the thing, I keep telling people with what I say, with what I do, with how I say it, with how I do it, I keep telling people who Jesus is. And I'm responsible for who I tell them he is. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, Peter says. Right answer. There is a right answer. That's the right answer. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah. You are the Savior. You are the way, the truth, the life. You're one of those Messiah-type guys. You're one, we love people like you. We, you are the Christ. You're the one. In the Matthew version of this, Matthew 16, 17, Jesus says to Peter, Blessed are you, because flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. Nobody taught you that. The Holy Spirit whispered that into your soul. And you're blessed. And you're blessed. If you know who Jesus is this morning, you are blessed. Because not everybody does. If you've been chosen, if the Lord has whispered his truth into your soul and you know in the deep places who Jesus is, you are blessed. Why do you think he blessed you? I just wanted you to know. Now you know. Have fun. We'll see you soon. Come on back next Sunday. We'll sing. Bill Matton, heaven's waiting. Got it all set, but just enjoy yourself. Live good. Why do you think he picked you? Why did he convince you? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Mother Mary, who knew him probably about as well as anybody, only said one thing to other people about Jesus. Whatever he tells you, do it. Whatever he says, do it. I'm responsible for who I know. I'm responsible for what I do with what I know. I am responsible for what I communicate to other people about what I know. If you look, verse 31, 
Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he turned around and looked at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, which is something you always would love to hear Jesus say to you if you can't. <laughs> For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. It's funny how quickly we go from recognizing who Jesus is to explaining to him what should be required of us as his followers. <laughs> They're talking about all this killing and sacrificing and dying. No, 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 no. That's not how we follow you. Here's how it's going to be. I feel that, you know, I know you're the Christ, so I feel that I'm in a position to tell you what following you should look like. Peter snaps him back. I mean, Jesus snaps Peter back. Man, he cuts him out at the knees. Jesus hardly ever talks like this to anybody, but he talks to one of his closest friends in front of everybody. Waboom, man. He takes him out. Why? Why didn't he just... <laughs> Peter, you just won't get it, will you? Oh, I'll explain again later. No. Wham. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. It is absolutely vital to Jesus Christ that we explain correctly who he is and what he expects. There is no tolerance for, just give them a vague idea of who I am. They'll catch on. Make it nice, make it sweet, make it appealing. In front of everybody, Jesus says, this is about... Sacrifice. This is about suffering. This is about you're going to get hurt. This is about dying to yourself. If any man would come after me, let him take up his cross and deny himself daily and follow me. Get this straight, Jesus says. No illusions, what I'm asking. This is what it means to come with me. Two things there. If there was another way, God would have come up with it. If there was a way that did not require us to take up our own crosses, to make our own sacrifice, to die to the things that it just about kills us to die to. If there was another way to do this, God would have come up with it for Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let this cup pass from me. The God of the universe could come up with another way if there was another way. There's not another way. If you want eternal life, if you want abundant life, if you want extraordinary eternal love and fellowship with the God of all creation, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me.
there's not another way. If I'm not willing to make the sacrifice, if I'm not willing to die to the things that it just about kills me to die to, if I'm not willing to take up the cross and share in the fellowship of his sufferings, then I'm kidding myself. That's not the life I want. I can sing all day long. I can quote the Bible verses all day long. But if I'm not willing for the sacrifice and the suffering and the dying, then it's not eternal life I want. And it's not abundant life that I want because if that's what I want, this is what it costs. Jesus said, let me be perfectly clear. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not about feeding people. It's not about healing people. It's not about teaching deep thoughts. It's not about arguing theology. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that I lay down my life so that he can live inside me and through me. I make the sacrifice. I die to myself. I take up the cross. That's the gospel. The healing and the singing and the feeding and the debating and the teaching all come out of that. But they're not that. That is deny myself, die to myself, and live in him. The wise old man said there's only two rules. Number one, don't fool yourself. And number two, you're the easiest one for you to fool. Who do you say that I am? Well, it's fuzzy. It's like trees. I can't quite see the whole... Ah. If anyone would come after me, if anyone wants to know me, if anyone wants to live abundantly now and eternally forever, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 7. What things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. This is how he reveals it. 
with a question. Who do you say I am? Father, it kind of sounds depressing. All the dying and sacrificing and suffering stuff, we don't really want to go there. We would love to work a deal where somehow we could know you and love you and follow you and skip all the other. But that's not the deal. We pray you would forgive us for our illusions, for our confusions, for all the things we try to make you be and hope you'll be and twist you into being to make ourselves feel more comfortable, to make it easier to talk about you, to make it easier to follow you. Forgive us, Father, for the idols that we make and pretend are you. We pray, Father, that you would cleanse our hearts and clear our heads and focus our eyes as never before, that we could see you for the trees, that you would cut down whatever trees are in the way, that we would see you, that you would get it through our thick heads and stubborn hearts, who you really are, and that the love would be so real and the truth so very clear that the choice would be obvious and that it wouldn't be a chore but a joy to lay down ourselves for you, to find ourselves walking, serving, and even suffering with you. We pray that you would transform our lives and our minds and our spirits, that you would give us a faithful and courageous witness that you would give us the grace and the strength and the mercy we need each day to take up our cross and follow you. Show us the way, we pray, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Don't leave here the way you came. If you're here this morning, it's because the Lord brought you here. There was something he wanted you to think about. There's something he wanted you to change before you left. If you need to talk to somebody, you are surrounded by people who love him and would be delighted to listen to you and think it through with you and pray with you. I'd be happy to if you want to visit with me. But don't leave here the same way you came. Know who he is before you go out the door.